0: Minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nahum Siegel. Welcome to a Friday Arab Shabbos. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program. <laughs>
1: I'm for now. I, I, I know the young. Bo'im Shana Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank you
0: There he is, the great Shlomo Kalbach, of course, as we get closer and closer to his yard site, which uh, is tomorrow night. 19 years since Shlomo passed away, and it was, in fact, a Friday morning where we announced that he had passed away Thursday night, and uh, that is a moment that I'm sure many people remember when they first heard the news of the passing of Shlomo Kalbach back in 1994. It's a Friday morning broadcast. Thank you for tuning in to JM in the AM. We have amazing Kalbach programming coming at you. Uh Starting tomorrow night, Avrami will host a Saturday Night Seagull beginning at 10 p.m. Eastern time on the stream, filled with Rip Shlomo Kalbach selections. Sunday morning, Matis is planning a show like none other. He has the biographer of Rav Shlomo Kalbach coming on. He has Neshama Kalbach coming on. He has Shlomo Katz and Shia Menlowitz will be speaking with during the three hours, Matas will extend JM Sunday. It'll go all the way until 10 a.m. Eastern Time on Sunday morning, and uh, we strongly recommend you like the JM Sunday page on the um, on Facebook. If you like the JM Sunday page, you will be kept up to date on everything that's happening up to the minute with JM Sunday. It will be an amazing special. This coming Sunday, uh, a good part of Sunday on the stream, aside from the uh, Matis J.M. Sunday Kalbach tribute, will be Kalbach music. So you'll be able to f- uh, find that on our stream, jmnam.org, nachomsiegel.com, all through the day on Sunday. So we are getting ready for the Yard site here on a Friday morning broadcast. It's October the 18th, the 14th of Mar Cheshvan, Erev Shabbos, Parshas Vayera, with candlelighting time at 5.51 you're all invited to the Mizrahi on East Broadway on the Lower East Side, where a Kalbach Shabbos under the leadership of uh, Cantor Sruli-Hirsch is going to take place starting tonight. I assume Mincha will be about 6 p.m. That's what I'm guessing. Um, 59 degrees, 67% humidity, Windsor West, 17 miles per hour. Pretty windy out there. Mostly sunny, high 67, clear tonight, low 49, and then tomorrow, mostly sunny again, a high 67 degrees. Yerushalayim is at 73. Tel Aviv at 75. Haifa at 77. A lot at 88. We're at 59 here in Jersey City as we say good morning at JM in the AM. Hey, happy anniversary, Aunt Hetty, and Uncle Dave. The Weinbergers are celebrating an anniversary on the Lower East Side of Manhattan, and it's a big one. 50 years, their golden wedding anniversary. And Hetty, Uncle Dave, Mazal Tov to you. Anybody who sees them today or can get in touch with them, make sure to wish them a big happy 50th from all of us here at JM in the AM. Coming up, we've got uh, the weekly update with Malcolm Homeline about an hour from now as we investigate and discuss the events of this week in this amazing world of ours. Rabbi Udin will be uh, speaking at 8.15 this morning. Naomi Nachman with a fantastic edition of Table for Two coming up between 9 and 10 on our stream at jm.org. And then our friends at Kedem have made sure to put together the most amazing Arab Shabbos music mix, which is going to be, um, on the, uh, on the stream at jmnam.org starting at 10 a.m. Eastern time all the way until candle lighting, which is, um, remarkably unbelievable. That's how great the, uh, music stream is on a Friday. It is absolutely the best way to get ready for Shabbos. On an Arab Shabbos. Simple as that. JM and the AM more from Schleima Kalbach on um, on Thursday yesterday I discovered and I'm sure a lot of people have seen this already, but I discovered it for excuse me for the first time. There are so many Kalbach videos on YouTube and uh, on the internet in general. This is a nineteen seventy three television studio appearance in Israel. And uh, it starts. This appearance starts with just an incredible erev Shabbos selection, Reb Shlomo Kalbach from way back, forty years ago. Here he is at JM in the AM. Okay.
1: Fact yet, Ziki with name Melachem Lachi Hakadosh Baruchu Veraity, you dim on dimayata cotel with Palalim, you dim echle Palel Magishim with a smambay chum. The Hibalitim Yahorai Veraity is sukio Judish lo judgli palea Halume pale re bnos lo lample meto di ekhli pale Wenn is kathi per not lim lishmo hem tsadikim lishmo aval yishot judia khe judi kadosh צלע ונגנע לזה חמלכותו לפעמים הוא אבל אבקשו זוכר שיהודי הוא מתמלא שמחה ואגיד לכם רבותי האמת אני לא יודע מיותר קדוש מיותר חמות אבל אני יודע דבר אחד שכולם יהודים קדושים ובחינו כולם I wish Leman, There's no one. I'm guessing that we don't understand the same thing. Everyone are talking about Jerusalem, the time they know as well as Christians, and the recurrentness of them. Also Yerushalayim, Eirei Yerushalaye, Yerushalayim, Eirei Kodesh. B'mehirah Abayamenu. Sapelachem hashani cholim Shabbat kodesh, et I <speaking> am in every day or night that all the people of Israel, the people כתוב ביד החזקם ממורנו הרמב״ם וכך הוא אומר אם מישהו שאל אותך אתה מאמין בביית המשיח ואתה עונה כן ולא כלום, לא שום דבר איך הוא יבוא? han yani ushani maamin be'am isra'el shiyech be'koham le'avi etamashiah emuna be'ya tamashiah emuna be'tushatam isra'el ube'chen isra'el isra'el metaka For all of
0: Shlomo Kalbach, of course. Unbelievable. J.M. and the A.M. We are here until 9 o'clock this morning. And then Naomi Nachman has a great table for two program on between 9 and 10. Nina Saffer from Kosher in the Kitch, uh, She started the first kosher food blog. Estee Kafra from Kosher Scoop, who has a new cookbook coming out this week called Cooking Inspired. They're both going to be Naomi's guests between 9 and 10 this morning on the stream dot org. want to thank our friends at KEDEM who have uh, put together an amazing Arab Shabbos music mix beginning at 10 o'clock this morning on the stream at org. There is no better way to prepare for Shabbos. Make sure you are tuned in. This is America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program. Heard and listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, around the world on the web, JMNAM.org. Galitza in the background, news from Israel coming up next. Tomorrow night, it's Avrami with Saturday Night Siegel with an incredible Kalbach tribute. J.M. Sunday with Matis starts at 7. We'll go all the way until 10 Eastern time. And Shema Kalbach, Shia Menlu, with Shlomo Katz, and a biographer of Rabbi Shlomo Kalbach will all join Matis on Sunday morning. It should be an incredible show. Make sure you tuned in on jmnam.org, our app, our listen line, all the different methods how you could tune in and enjoy our amazing programming. Galay Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast for a Friday, follows next. We say
2: Boker Tov from Jam and the A.M. the with the Merkel, חזרתי על עמדתנו בנושא ההתנחלויות שוב ושוב גם בפני ראש הממשלה נתניהו, מכיוון שאסור לסכן את המשך שיחות השלום. אבו מאזן אמר כי הפלסטינים מעוניינים במסע ומתן רציני על מנת להגיע לפתרון של שתי מדינות, שירושלים בירתן המשותפת. היועץ המשפטי לממשלה ויינשטיין נגד החלטת מועצת עיריית בת ים שלא להדיח את ראש העיר כתבteno תמר ירושלמי. לקובלה שיגיש תנועת אומץ בדרישה להדיח את לחיאני ולפסול אותו מטמודדות נכתב כי ההחלטה של מועצת העיר בת להדיחו, למרות חמור שוגש לוקה בחוסר סבירות קיצונית, ודוסיף היועץ המשפטי לממשלה כי סרב פנים פועל בדחיפות בימים אלו לקיום חדש, בזוגיות כוונתם של רשאי נקדם בהתפתחות בחקירת הפיגוע בניירובי, קניה, כתבתנו נעמה ארטישיק קניה בוחנת את מעורבותו של אזרח נורווגי מסומאליה בטווח בקניון בניירובי שהרה בחודש שעבר. לפי מקור מודיעיני בקניה, אזרח הנורווגי ככל הנראה מקושר לאחד מראשי ארגון השבב, העומד מאחורי המתקפה. בתוך כך נמצאו היום שתי גופות נוספות בתוך קניון וויסטגייט בו ערה הטווח, ולפי הרשויות שמדובר בשני קורבנות נוספים ולא בחוטפים במסחר במטבח החוץ הדולר נותר יום קימט ללוש שינוני ו Sharon ייצג 3 שקלים 53 אגורות ו3 אסירות כתבתנו לינינאי קלקלה איוון ליבסון מסרה ש Sharon יתCharset בחישת אסירות החוץ ומחירר 4 שקלים 83 אגורות ו3 מפת הגשמים. מאי אברתוב והחזאית את מבית הגן. הגשת מיתנו. כבר באזור אין החורש נמדדו כבר 14 מילימטרים, בשרון כ-8 מילימטרים, בחדרה 5 מילימטרים ובחיפה 3 מילימטרים. הגשם יימשך עד שעות אחר הצהריים, אך מחר בבוקר ייתכנו גשמים קלים בעיקר בצפון הארץ. אלה החדשות שעורך אליי
1: Thank you. But we are. Hello A misbah sheyeh i
0: amazing Rav Shlomo Kalbach. How proud we are to feature his music just before his yard site. Tomorrow night, the um, 16th of Mara Tomorrow night and Sunday, the yard site of Rav Shlomo Kalbach. Don't forget that executive assistant Avrami is hosting a special Saturday Night Seagull tomorrow night at uh, 10 p.m. Eastern time on the stream. In memory of R. Shlomo. And then an incredible special Sunday morning with Matis Guest. Shlomo Katz, Neshama Kalbach, Shia Mendelowicz, all participating this coming Sunday morning on our stream at jmandtheam.org.
3: Ah,
0: Amazing. J.M. in the A.M. on a Friday morning. It's Erev Shabbos Parsha's Valleira with candle lighting at 5.51 on this Erev Shabbos. Batya Jacob is with us live via telephone. Batya Jacob is the Director of Educational Support Services at the National Jewish Council for Disabilities. We, of course, refer to it as Yachad, November the 5th, a very important day for New Jersey educators to be aware of, not just Election Day, but for another reason as well. Batya Jacob, welcome to J.M. in the A.M.
4: Good morning, Nachum. Thank you very much for having me
0: today. A pleasure. Uh, Why is November the 5th such an important day for New Jersey day school educators?
4: Um, It is a very important day. We host our annual statewide um, staff development day. It will take place this year at Yeshivat Noam in Paramus, New Jersey. It's an opportunity for educators from all over the state of New Jersey and from all over the country who will come together for our regular education conference as well as our national special education conference. Um, they have the opportunity to hear from really the key people in education around the country both in Limu De Kodesh, as well as in special education and secular
0: topics. Is it a a full-day conference?
4: It is a full-day conference. It starts at 8 in the morning. It ends about 3.30 in the afternoon.
0: And uh, who are among these speakers who will inspire the crowd and really educate them that day?
4: So we're very excited this year. We actually have um, three separate keynote speakers. Dr. Jason Oler, who is the authority in the country on blended learning, will be coming and doing our main keynote. He talks about Um, really the new thrust of education of using distance learning and technology as well as classroom regular standard teacher learning. Um, Richard Ellison will be discussing the same topic but specifically for special education and how to use it for our children who have um, challenges in the classroom. And Clarissa Willis who is from indiana is coming in she's the authority on using distance learning blended teaching um, technology for early childhood classrooms.
0: So all the educators who spend their time in the classroom are getting together to find out how one could spend less time in the classroom. No,
4: <laughs> not less time, but how to right. use I, what 21st century learning is and bring it into their classroom.
0: You, you know I say it tongue-in-cheek. It's I, just, do that. I
4: do know that.
0: <laughs> it's just funny. I about you, Jacob, is with us live via telephone November 5th. That's a Tuesday. It's an all-day conference and a very important one. For New Jersey educators. Um, uh, not to sound too naive on this, obviously it's not my area of expertise, but uh, you know, every I, I, know, I know there's developments every single year, but aside from the brand new news that these speakers and people like yourself bring to the crowd, in addition to that, people need a refresher, right? They need the encouragement to keep on going, and they need uh, just reminders about what's available out there because there's so much at this point.
4: Absolutely, and that's why we really... Um, try to meet the needs of every educator who's coming in, no matter what level they're teaching at, no matter who they're teaching. We have over a hundred concurrent workshops that day. So they will learn anything from standard ways to teach math to new and exciting methods. Um, Limude Kodesh, different ways to do to teach Flemish, whether we should be teaching content versus skills, um, we have some wonderful limode codish teachers who are going who are coming to really talk about how to include every child into the classroom because as we know no child learns exactly alike right. and so every child is a special child in each classroom and is, we need to address each child's special needs
0: is this officially a yachad event or yachad just one of the presenting
4: uh... no this is a conference that is sponsored by Yahad. we have been sponsoring it for the last 10 years in for new jersey educators and we started three years ago really opening it up to national special ed educators
0: it happens at yeshiva at noam on the 5th of november which is election day that tuesday and new jersey educators are encouraged uh, to participate. All right, who should be responding to this? Which, which types of teachers, educators, people in what areas of the field, or should anybody who's in the field be responding to this, and how do they, in fact, register and make sure to reserve their spot for November 5th?
4: Um, every educator could respond. It is specifically for um, keynoted towards grades pre-kindergarten through eighth grade and for special educators at any grade level. Um, it is Philemon Day Kodish teachers as well as secular teachers. We have um, teachers from every facet of Jewish life coming, um, from community day schools to our more, our I hate the words, ultra-Orthodox schools. <laughs> um, and we meet the needs if a teacher needs something Specific, like separate seating, we help arrange that in the classrooms that they are in when they go to those speakers.
0: You want to accommodate everybody.
4: We try to accommodate everybody. YAHHA stands for inclusion.
0: Yeah, and what's more important than getting together to help educate our kids? Everybody wants that goal. Correct. Everybody wants to be able to meet that goal. Uh, what's the best way to register, the best way to get information?
4: best way to register is to either call me or email me. Um, my name is Batya Jacob. My phone number is 212-613-8127. And my email is Batya B-A-T-Y-A-J, at ou dot
0: All right, that's the best method, folks. 212-613-8127, 212-613-8127. uh Batya Jacob, it's Batya J, letter J, at ou You've actually uh, named the conference blended learning toward new frontiers, correct? Correct. And blended learning in and of itself is a new frontier, if still at this point. Am I right?
4: absolutely
0: and it's amazing what's going on in that area
4: it's really grown in the last year and we are very excited to bring our teachers the forefront and the cutting edge of what's going on in that particular area and even
0: though I joked about it before the technology aspect makes the blended learning the the, the whole uh, concept uh, uh, accelerate like crazy right for sure sure. it's amazing what's being done out there and how so many kids and families are being helped everybody who's an educator uh, specifically in the state of New Jersey, but as you heard uh, Batya mentioned just minutes ago, it's really open to anybody in the world of education who wants to come and uh, and learn more and find out what's available and be encouraged uh, to continue with the uh, incredible technological advancements that are available uh, to students, especially in the area of uh, blended learning. Uh, it's happening at Yeshivat Noam on the 5th of November. Um, that is Election Day, that Tuesday, an all-day conference and uh, for sure, if you're part of the New Jersey Day School system, you're encouraged to be there. But again, open to all information, 212-613-8127, 212-613-8127, J at ou dot org. Batya Jacob is Director of Educational Support Services at the National Jewish Council for Disabilities. We, of course, know it as Yachad. Batya, continue your amazing work. Best regards to everybody, and good luck on November the 5th. Thank you so much. Great having you. JM in the AM at 20 minutes before 8 o'clock. Weekly update. Malcolm Homeline coming up and plenty more on this era of Shabbos at JM in the AM.
1: Hey Keva we'll fi
0: Even though it's time for the weekly update, even Malcolm Holmline says you don't interrupt a classic or Shlema Kalbach selection, especially not this close to his yard site. Friday morning broadcast, J.M. in the AM on this Arab Shabbos, Parshas Vayera, candle lighting at 5.51 on this Arab Shabbos. Uh, Kalbach, uh, uh, Kalbach, Kabbalah Shabbos, uh, tonight at the Mizrahi, you're all invited. And there are probably, oh, I don't know, thousands of Kalbach services this evening, as his yard site is Zeitus, tomorrow night. And we, of course, will have appropriate programming on our stream, including an amazing Kalbach tribute tomorrow night starting at 10 p.m. And then Matis is working on a fantastic show for JM Sunday, which will include Neshama Kalbach, Shlomo Katz, Shia Lewitz, and others all calling in and participating in the conversation. Reminder about JM and the AM this coming Monday, Rabbi Jonathan Sachs former chief rabbi of the uh, of Great Britain. He is going to be with us uh, live via telephone or by SACS. Uh, we'll get a chance to ask him about being chief rabbi. We'll also get a chance to ask him about his book, The Great Partnership, Science, Religion, and the Search for Meaning. Very much looking forward to uh, greeting him via telephone this coming Monday morning here at JM in the AM. And uh, I, I hope you'll all tune in. And, yeah, recommended questions for sure. I'm sure I'll go on Facebook later today and ask people If they have any recommended questions, hey, why not? Um, Reminder that uh, we thank our friends at JewishWorldReview.com, who continue to highly recommend to all their amazing hundreds of thousands of readers our live stream at jmnam.org, and I'm sure this week more than any other, since we're featuring so much great music of Rabbi Shlomo Kalbach. And um, uh, thank you to JewishWorldReview.com. If you want to check out amazing articles, commentary, news articles, etc., check them out. And enjoy. Malcolm Honline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations and joins us for a, a weekly update here at JM in the AM. Mr. Honline, welcome back to the show.
5: Oh, Thank you. It's good to be with you. Relieved
0: Friday. Yeah, you must be relieved because as big as we all thought the Conference of Presidents 50th annual, annual gala would be, and believe me, we discussed it here, everyone uh, understood the magnitude of the event and what type of Jewish leadership uh, would be there, and and other leadership as well would be there. Uh, But as a surprise to the entire crowd at the wall-to-wall Waldorf Astoria on Tuesday night, George W. Bush, I remind you, at one time he was President of the United States. You remember that era, Malcolm, don't you?
5: I recall it vaguely, yeah.
0: And, (laughs) And he... He brought the house down. I, you know, I said to myself, and, you, you know, it's no secret that, that you were kind enough to tell me minutes before the event that he was expected, uh, even though it was kept a secret, uh, essentially, until he walked onto the stage. And I said to myself, you know, this is the Conference of Presidents. It's a very diverse group. There are going to be people in that audience who are not exactly thrilled with George Bush's eight years in office. And yet, you have to admit, Mr. Honeline, when he walked in and when he spoke, he brought the house down.
5: It was exactly what we had hoped would be. First of all, we started with a message from President Obama, and the theme of the evening was Strength Through Unity. And, uh, and I, first, I want to thank you very much for your important role in the, in the event. Thank you. Um, and, uh, and, and we tried to do everything that was a matchup. We had Ban Ki-moon of the United Nations. who People, right when you hear UN, people shut off or are skeptical. The truth is that he has done... A good job giving, and he has been a friend in quiet ways, um, effective ways, but more importantly was the, the consistently throughout the theme because this, the strength of the conference is the fact that we bring together 50 organizations and that we have to put aside differences. And today we see more and more how within our own community, let alone in the general world, it's differences, it's what divides people, that's the only thing anybody's interested in talking about. And here we had a chance to, to portray the opposite. So starting with a message from Obama and Prime Minister Netanyahu and hearing from, you know, as varied people as the opposition, a former deputy prime minister of Iran and the head of the Egyptian cops, uh, representative of the Egyptian cops, and of the head of the Moroccan Jewish community, the ambassador of Russia, the ambassadors of uh, like John Bolton and, uh, and the ambassador of Israel, and, and all very brief and everybody stuck to the time. So yeah, having, that
0: was miraculous. That's and a, having
5: a former yeah. president who said to me that he did not want it to be a political man. I said, that's exactly, we're not partisan. This is a political, but it's not partisan. And that conference itself is bipartisan throughout all its activities, because that's the only way we could function and be effective for the Jewish community and to accomplish what we have. And uh, and, and as you said, I, I was worried, to be very honest, both when President Obama's uh, video came up, it was very, very, a respectful response to it uh the same with bb same with everybody and the explosion uh when he came in and people at first i think didn't get it when, right. the, when the announcement was made right and then he came on the stage and people saw it was really him as you said there wasn't a, we have the pictures there's not a person sitting in their seat right and and everybody stayed it was literally almost no the hotel set us in. It was a dinner where everybody literally stayed.
0: I was shocked that there were about 100 people still hanging out at 10 p.m. At <laughs> <laughs> 11. Yeah.
5: No, seriously. I, it's 100, unbelievable. 100 still still there. People did not leave, and we finished early. But the uh, And then Cancer Health got renditions of the anthems with yep. everybody up there, including yourself. I thought it was it really the pièce résistance people were...
0: Well i got a couple of comments, and uh, you know because of the timing uh, this is the day to talk about it for a minute. The first is that look, the room was filled with um, a lot of leadership, a lot of very involved people, and that might be and, and nothing against those who are only semi involved but I think you get my point that that people who are, who take an active role in the community, no matter what their political position or feelings might be. Understand what respect is about and understand if the president speaks, whether it's via video or or live or a former president, the same that that just a certain there's a certain protocol, a certain etiquette. In fact, it was pointed out by many during the evening. How when you represent and your chairman represents the conference, and, and of course when the group uh, is gathered with world leaders, there is a there's a, a, a mutual respect. I think that was basically Ban Ki Moon's uh, point, or at least one of his points during his speech. That you know, at least you approach us with 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 proper with proper covet and with the right uh, and with the right uh, you know temperament, so to speak. That's the first thing. That,
5: that was exactly what um, uh, what President Bush said actually in his in his remarks as well. Um, Said that even when we had differences, mostly and I, um, that we respected the office and you were effective and make your presentations. And it's the argument I make all the time on the show. You know when people say to us and say to me after show, but just tell us how to vote or tell us simple answers. You know to things. And the world is a complex place, and and sometimes things are not what they seem on the surface. And sometimes we have criticized because of a decision we make, but it's because of things that go on behind the scene that people don't know and you can't say because that will mean that the outcome won't be what what we wanted is more important for that than sometimes you know to in a popularity context to have everybody uh, know exactly the detail which would upset the possibility when the iran 13 were, were released and i stopped all the demonstrations and some right. one or two people were critical at the time well, more than they that. didn't understand that we had a deal that said that we would not rub their face in it and that the next time Hashisham something happens we have the credibility that they will know we deliver what we say if they deliver right.
0: And remember you didn't stop people from demonstrating independently. You just did not want the conference uh you know holding an event when you gave your word to do something differently.
5: And and we had the biggest demonstrations. I organized Correct. The demonstrations, it's just that you gotta know went to hold them and went to fold them.
0: Right, as they say. And uh, the other point is, and again, uh, maybe next time you're in the studio we could explore this further because it's so fascinating. You mentioned the, the, the job that you and your predecessors and Bob Sugarman and his predecessors have had to unite all the groups that are part of the Conference of Presidents. And we joke about this a lot, both privately and publicly. But it is an impossible task. I mean, essentially, it is impossible. And it's usually one would think it's impossible to reach a consensus. And we know that not everybody's the same. People know your background. People know, uh, you know, uh, the type of life you lead. It may, it may be completely different from others who are involved in the same causes and, you know, would like to see uh, results in the same way. But the bottom line is there has to be some type of unifying factor, and it's miraculous that it can be done, but people have to realize that it's not just one opinion that goes into all this. It's more than 50 that go into
5: it. That's right, and, and, and it's not to water down your principles or the individual identity of organizations, but how you can get them to focus on what the objectives are and how, and that in fact, in 99% of the cases, we have a common objective and could find common ground on which to, to build then that consensus. But we forgot to mention the stars of the evening. Your
0: grandchildren. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm really, I, I'm, re, I'm regretful. I was in conversation with the director the entire time that they were speaking, so I never even saw your grandchildren's routine. I I hope there's a good video of it. There's a great video of it. (laughs) I must see that. But I know they were very cute, and I know at the end they actually got the name of the Conference of Presidents and your title out properly. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Because I regretted not seeing the entire thing, but I hope to see it, and it was, as you say. Very entertaining and inspiring. Hey, it's all about the children and grandchildren, isn't it, Malcolm? Everybody in that room has got to realize it's all about the children and grandchildren.
5: And many people were very moved and said, talk to us about it in, in ways that was, uh, they were they were amazing anyway. My grandson Mayor's speech was, uh, which he did himself. Oh,
0: he was, I told him he was superb. He was superb. Those are his own words,
5: huh? That's what it's all about. It's about the future and our responsibility to our children and grandchildren. That's why we do what we do. And we have to always look ahead to them and our responsibility to our grandparents and our grandchildren,, and look at with the, with the developments these days, how important
0: it is right and just look at the uh, look at where we are now in the Torah reading. We talk about all about the children and grandchildren. If anybody understood it, our forefathers and foremothers certainly did all right, a lot to talk about this week. by the way, uh, I, let me start with this only to give you an opportunity to remind everybody how effective their own leadership can be, even if they don 't hold a special title. Charlotte Whale, who I know you knew, died this week at the age of 93. A short, petite woman who was a ball of fire, involved in every cause, and very passionate about so many things happening in the Jewish world. So number one, we remember her, and I'm sure that those who knew her are glad that we again are mentioning her on the air as we did earlier in the week. But Malcolm, I am sure she's one of the people who has taught you over the years that anybody of any small stature, quote unquote, can make such a difference when they make their voice heard.
5: She taught, and more importantly, she lectured me <laughs> regularly. <laughs> she was an amazing woman. She would write letters all the time. She would listen to the show, by the way, regularly, and she would uh, write me about things, issues, or, or uh, where she uh, had some concerns about things that I may have said or not. Sometimes she didn't get it exactly right, but she was amazingly committed. I've known, I knew her for decades, from, even from Soviet juries. She used to come out. The demonstrations back in the Uh, seventies. Remarkable woman, and I was concerned that I hadn't heard from her for uh, the last couple of months, uh, or some months. uh, And uh, birthday in Emerson. I'm sorry to hear that news.
0: And um, again, an opportunity to remind everybody that no matter how small the punches that they pack, everybody out there can make a difference. Absolutely right. Um, All right, a lot of news to get to, obviously. Um, Is, in fact, the White House going to ease sanctions with a slow release of assets in regard to Iran in order to reward them for what they've agreed to so far in the uh, nuclear deal?
5: It's too early to tell. There are, obviously, talks going on. Many officials have said that we're not ready yet for a deal. We have not reached any uh, conclusion uh, some have said it's not close. Others have said that the Iranians have put forward uh, some uh, proposals. And there are reports that they, off- the Iranians, offered a freeze on current enrichment for a period of time. Uh, there are reports that there was an offer for uh, and to reduce its its stockpile in a lift for response to a lifting all sanctions. That's a non-starter. Um, and and people have to understand with the new centrifuges. Some of the old formula that are now being regurgitated, but but are no longer relevant because of new centrifuges. When, what we used to talk about, three and a half percent and five percent, and then you would go to twenty percent, and then you would have to go to ninety. Today, you can leapfrog from five percent to right away going into the ninety percent. That they, it's much faster. It's a it's a more efficient system with the new centrifuges. So the, these rules. Uh, don't really hold and the, the um, there's going to be a meeting in Geneva uh, we're looking to Congress to, to introduce new sanctions and to continue uh, the sanctions that exist but uh, we do know that they are considering all sorts of uh, options about outreach and, and discussions or talks of Britain uh, reestablishing diplomatic relations this is all a mistake because they have done nothing to deserve right. it and the Arab countries, as you know, are um, equally upset as Israel is by this uh, appearance of softening the position or offering access to billions of dollars of frozen assets. I mean, every week, the,
0: every, every week there's a different attitude. One, one week they're tough, and the next week, you know, they're ready to give rewards to Iran. And who's behind it, by the way? Is it exclusively the White House? Is Russia pressuring them? I mean, who, who's behind the effort to, to, to give this gesture to Iran?
5: Well, I don't know that there's. there's pressure and i don't know that we've given in as far as i can see we haven't yet uh, but just no, that they're considering week, it army
0: just that they're considering it i even hear it in your voice that you're frustrated they are even considering it
5: well i am obviously very concerned you know 70 percent of israelis are not convinced uh that the u.s will, will resolve and and 77 percent believe bb is right and bb this week said that the british and french should uh, spoke to both the leaders uh, said that you shouldn't ease it until they dismantle. Right. Uh, Kerry has said this week we're not going to, you know, dismantle the sanctions. Congress, I think, will be very strong about it. Although the administration obviously can move on it, but we know that they're putting new the new centrifuges in the town. So when they offer to even close a facility, and people jump on it and say, "Wow, well, that's a big move," you got to understand the reality on the ground. How many facilities they have we don't know about uh, is another factor. But uh, the West is talking about taking all the enriched uranium out. That's Netanyahu's position. The West is saying, "Well, everything above a certain level." Mm-hmm. And they said, "We're not going to let anything out. We're not going to do it." And and, Khamenei, and and like Khamenei, like Khamenei, this was this was a fundamental principle for them, and. The IRGC came out this week, the Iran Revolutionary Guard, which still is very influential, said we want no rapprochement with the U.S., so maybe they will be our biggest help in making sure that the West stands by the principles. But the the message we keep sending of weakness, you know, Iran, aside from the nuclear program, when you want to know who we're dealing with, despite the charm offensive, since Rouhani took office, 250 people have been executed publicly, 560 this year. There are journalists, Christian leaders, Bahai leaders, political activists, all sitting in jail, and they have a guy who they hung, who turns out survived, so they ordered that he be hung, uh, killed again. I saw that, but it, but it just shows the brutality of this regime, its involvement with with Hezbollah and and in Syria, sabotaging uh, every uh, peace effort. Ever. This is not a regime that has changed. This is not a regime that that's they're buying time. That was the goal, and something that we said from from day one about what. This is really about uh, is really just to buy buy. They want to stall, and all the time they stall, they're putting in new new um, uh, new centrifuges, upgrading it, moving ahead on weaponization. They clean up a site so that they can say, "Oh, this you see, this the story about weaponization was true." And everybody knows that Mm -hmm. what was going on in that site, you know, months ago, and and why they barred anybody from. uh... coming out
0: and give me yeah give me a second It's america's one and only jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listeners sponsored WFMU east orange wmfu mount hope rockland county at ninety one point nine fm around the world on the web at dot org you mentioned i didn't mean to interrupt i'll give you a chance to finish in a second but you mentioned uh... the french and british uh, attitude it, it, merkel and germany the same thing are they consistent with the french and british on this uh...
5: well usually europe moves as a whole uh, merkel was the toughest on it um, so far, she's, she seems to be holding the line. But, and, and Europe generally, I think, has somewhat, there's a lot of skepticism about it, but there's also a desire to, to break out. And the problem is that once there's a breach in the wall, I mean, we have seen how the Europeans collapse in the past. And uh, in, in, even editorials in some of the major papers, like Washington Post and others, have finally uh, have, have really put the, the uh, challenge before us about what is really at stake. Iran hasn't changed. It, it did the same thing when Rouhani, and, and we talked about it, um, was, was the negotiator himself and talked about how they lied. The, the, uh, he, he gave an interview in May saying that, emphasizing it, but two, three weeks before his own election. So there's nothing that has changed. And, and so far, obviously, nothing has been given in, and stories are put out by the Iranians also to show that there's weakness in trying to split the West up thinking that everybody thinks somebody else is, is going to be the first to, to break out.
0: So if not for the Geneva meeting, we probably wouldn't even have had this news story about what the White House might do, right? I mean, it was just the timing that that be, beca- because the meeting took place,
5: some piece of news had to be released. I think that that is probably true in terms of, of when, but
0: not why. Meaning that we, meaning that, that they still will have, would have mulled over the possibility of rewarding Iran and... And made it public, and and uh, and that would have been it, no matter what the timing was.
5: I think, yes, I do think that the if Iran continues, or if Iran makes an offer that they think is is, or somebody will interpret as being worthwhile of discussion, then and so far none of their proposals, uh, in reality, are, and they they keep adding caveats, and then you have you know one guy will say, well, we're prepared to, to meet, and the other hand. The uh, Other top officials will come out and say this is against what the supreme leader, the Ayatollah, wants, and he's the ultimate decision-maker, not Rouhani, not Zarif, who knows how to play the game well. He's a chameleon. Uh, So shouldn't be fooled by by these rumors and what they say. Look at North Korea's model, then you'll understand what this is about.
0: I know, but the United States, uh, if they deal with Iran the way they've dealt with North Korea, we're in big trouble.
5: I think that's why I'm saying look at the left. <laughs>
6: right.
0: The best example out there. Prime Minister Netanyahu assured German Chancellor Angela Merkel Thursday that actual construction in the controversial E1 corridor between Jerusalem and Malaya Dumim will not take place for years. Isn't this somewhat different than what the prime minister has said in the past?
5: Well, he hasn't said that E1 will be constructed. The, the, this is, one, to me, one of the most uh, blatant examples of the hypocrisy. And, and uh, you know, it's interesting, in, in this regard, we talked about the UN before, right. you know, Saudi Arabia was elected to the UN Security Council. And rejected yesterday. it. And today they rejected it. And they said, because you're you're ineffective and you do duplicitous.
0: Can you imagine that Saudi Arabia of all go ahead and make a statement
5: like that? So, so, and it's primarily about the failure on, on Syria, the failure right. to up up Assad, but it's also about Iran. And then, of course, they throw in the Israeli-Palestinian uh, peace, right. but... but uh, it, it, it's, it's a remarkable uh, uh, statement at this at this time uh, about the nature of events and, and how people view how we are addressing all of these critical issues.
0: And by we, you mean the international community with the with the UN as its fulcrum, right?
5: Yes, exactly. Yeah. The whole international community, and and you know, so many challenges that go unanswered. And and the the, the focus then is shifting without people realizing, I mean you can have this regime that supports Hamas because Bala right. is is reaching out now. To, Hamas is now trying to have a rapprochement with Iran, uh, which broke with it over over uh, Syria uh, because of their own internal needs. I mean they're in, they're in a free fall despite the fact that they can afford to spend uh, all that money on building a 1.8 kilometer tunnel into Israel for a year and a half with. 800 tons of concrete when they're complaining to the international community that Israel doesn't allow enough concrete in. And by the
0: way, according to the pictures, it was one sophisticated tunnel.
5: It looked pretty good. <laughs> in addition to the 800 tons, there were 25,000 concrete slabs. Because the whole roof, everything, and you could bring brigades through it.
0: Unbelievable. It's 22
5: meters deep. It's got telephone electricity to exits in Israel came up in a a kibbutz in in Israel right near a a, a kindergarten, and and Israel found another part of a a big tunnel that they had exposed in November, and they believe that there are others that they have not yet uh, detected and are obviously looking for.
0: How long does it take to build a tunnel with that magnitude? A year and a
5: half. Wow.
0: In 18 months, that could be constructed? That's what they say. Unbelievable. Uh, but back to the E-1 for a second then. So he says this to uh, Angela Merkel, and I think it's uh, contrary to what he has said in the past. And you say he's just been very vague on the whole issue.
5: Well, I, I, he, he, the decision was only a zoning decision. It was never a decision about a particular construction. This should have been built when uh, Sharansky was in office. I think he was Minister of the Interior or of Housing. And he wanted to build there a police station and a dormitory for police. And they didn't do it. And, and, and there were international benefactors who were prepared to pay for it. And the the, the area, people have to understand, this is the land bridge between Jerusalem and Mala Domin right. This is a critical area where no Arab ever lived. Nobody lives there. Nobody developed it. Nobody cared about it until Israel wanted it. It breaks the encirclement of, of Jerusalem. And the, the, the fact that the world focuses this obsession with Ewan when all of the other problems we're talking about, all the yeah. hand grabs, all the things that people are doing around the world, and yet he won this little nothing. I
0: know, but the prime minister, he, he encourages it with statements like, you know, I've got to tell you, give me a minute to tell you about some of the backstory of Tuesday night's dinner, if you don't mind, while you were very busy, obviously. Uh, let me tell you a couple of things that were going on. The, 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 it's obvious from the talk among the politically right-wing folks that there is a panic and a feeling that BB is about to really cave in when it comes to Judea and Samaria and topics like that. And if you read between the lines, was the quote that was uh, constantly said to me, uh, you see already hints to it. This, that's why this story to me this morning and his statement on E1 is a disturbing one. When, when I was alerted to this by different people the other night, there, there, there's a great fear that he's moving in that direction. Do you think that there's something to be worried about?
5: Look, I don't think that Netanyahu is uh, going to collapse, on that, and there's no reason to believe that the talks are yet at the stage. But he has said clearly; he said he's prepared for a two-state solution. He's prepared for territorial concessions, uh, but depends and set. I mean, hard demands on the other side too. Second of all, the question check is if he'll, he'll wait one, for what he really said. He, he just said we're not going to do it now, and, and the rumors about uh, you know statements to different leaders are often put out. By sources who really don't have first hand exposure to it. So when I will call often about something that is said and say, well, what does this mean? You know, people are concerned. They will tell me that it was never said or was said, and what was said was a lot different. It may have said that there was no immediate plans yet for construction because there was nobody building anything there. Uh, I hope that eventually in E1 they, they were going to build the convention centers and hotels that would employ a lot of people from the region. Both Palestinians and Israelis uh, work there like they do in Soda Stream, like they do in all of the um, communities in the West Bank. It, 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 you know, tens of thousands of Palestinians found employment there. So, A, we've got to make sure that we know what he really said as opposed to what sometimes gets reported that they said. But I, I understand the concern because, well, in negotiations, you're going to hear, and, and you have Zippy Livny and others who who represent the, the government in these talks have uh, made statements in various speeches that have give uh, given rise to, to concern about what the real intent, but I don't think that there is uh, there's any decision right now on that.
0: What do you think of the uh, speaking of Jerusalem? What do you think of uh, detaining ten people being detained on the Temple Mount this week?
5: It's it's uh, it's obviously a very sensitive issue, and and uh, uh, you know the idea that Jews can't pray, Jews are restricted, Jews is limited, raises a lot of ire. I mean, there are times when security situations demand uh, that Israel take actions, but uh, Obviously, uh, you know, it's it's a lot of concern, but people have to realize and the actions have to be consistent with what the longer-term claim, which means that we should be able to have a presence there all the time.
0: Is this unprecedented in history, Malcolm? You're a student of history, where, where, where a country and its government control an area, and yet it's their own people or those who are most closely associated as their own people who are restricted from going somewhere or behaving in a certain way somewhere while others can walk about freely and do whatever they want?
5: Good question. I think we would have to examine where it happened before, but I'm sure it did. But ah, come on. I just don't know where. <laughs>
0: exactly. You can't assume that it's actually happened before. I, the Jewish people are known for innovation. I think one they'd... of the things
5: that, and, and it was an issue I discussed often with Omer after his comments. Once you start compromising on the principle of Israeli sovereignty, and, and that does have nothing to do, we have to respect. Everybody's rights and the religious rights, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, the other side doesn't respect our religious rights. They deny our rights. They deny our our, our, our relationship to the place. You, you see it—the uh, incitement that continues in the Palestinian authority and the culture and uh, the TV curriculum, uh, everything. Um, and we see the rise again of Tanzin from the Intifada period and, and some of the camps in the uh, the, the uh, so-called refugee camps. and no refugees there. Um, so we're seeing old themes reemerge, but we have to be consistent if the world's going to understand why, what our positions are and why they're inviolate. And if we want the world not to violate it, then we have to set real red lines. Uh, Netanyahu has always done this vis-à-vis Iran and other issues, but it has to be done regarding the internal issues. Mm. Again, not to incite, we don't want the world now focused on Jerusalem. We want them to focus on Iran, we want them to focus on, on Syria and some of the other issues, and And the negotiations are not at a point where any of this needs to be uh, up front now. Um, but everybody should realize that if, if they really do move ahead at some point, these issues are going to be uh, front and center. You know, right is... now we should be rejoicing, because Arafat's underwear was found not to have polonium poisoning. Huh? So in other words, he wasn't killed His by anybody. underwear. I'm not going to say it was clean, but it didn't have any... Blood.
0: So, in other words, he wasn't killed by anybody is, is the point.
5: So now they're very disappointed, and, and, and while I'm joking a little bit, but realize how many accusations against Israel, Babylonian poisoning, and how quick so many media headlines, oh, you know, Israel accused of killing, Israel accused of killing, when everybody knew, and I mean, the French doctors were the ones who treated him, and he didn't die in Israel, he didn't die in the Palestinian Authority. So a story like that that doesn't get the coverage... And, uh, and puts the lie again to some of the accusations and, and ridiculous charges.
0: Uh, you know, there's an election in Jerusalem this week, right?
5: Um, and you know that the PA PLO ordered that Arabs not participate again and boycott it.
0: So, therefore, anybody who's because uh, who has the right to vote, any Israeli citizen, even if they're Arab, right? They they essentially would vote in the municipal election, correct? If they're a Jerusalem resident, right? And uh, if they heed that call, they'll all just boycott it.
5: Well, most of them, yes,
0: right. And um, after the special election on Wednesday, not that we didn't have it before, but um, I guess you would agree that the uh, New Jersey senatorial delegation continues to be a really good one vis-a-vis Israel, correct?
5: Absolutely, uh, Cory Booker, I know well, uh, is a great friend of and somebody who has a greatest association, a deep association with the uh, Jewish community and with Judaism, and. Uh, and the senior senators days at
0: Oxford. The senior senator here now who is the senior senator is pretty good as well, no?
5: Menendez yeah. has been amazing. Actually you he, he even sent a message and he planned to come. Uh, Menendez chairman of the House Foreign of uh, the Senate Foreign Relations Committee and he has been stalwart. He's led a lot of the efforts on, on Iran and certainly on in support of Israel.
0: You know that the issue, I'm sure you remember very well the different eras in the last 40 years or so, maybe even more. Yeah, I guess since the founding of the state it's been an issue. But there has been you know, a couple of pockets of history where it's really become a hot issue. The issue is who is a Jew. And there was an episode this week where, again, it looks like it's going to start to heat up again. Uh, the way things are right now. There's never I mean I know how hard it is to unify in these issues, but there's never going to be a consensus out of Israel on these issues I assume it will always remain a problem so to speak and sometimes it will explode into big uh, you know publicity driven uh, episodes and other times there will be quiet times like it's been most recently correct uh,
5: exactly and, uh, and and there are people who exploit some of these issues these are very sensitive issues it involves uh, people's personal status and understand why people feel strongly on it, but we have to have some standards, and we have to, at the same time, deal with them. I can tell you that I've been involved in cases recently where I was asked to to verify or people had given my name to verify that they were, in fact, Jewish, and I knew that people's parents, grandparents, I mean, they were Jewish all the time, but they didn't have any documentation, and so... And, of course, uh, it was accepted. I know that recently there was a, uh, there was a rejection of, uh, uh, by, uh, of uh, somebody from New York's uh, recommendation regarding somebody. So each of these things then becomes a public uh, dispute. Uh, truth is that most cases are dealt with uh, quickly and, and resolved. Uh, but it, it's all these issues are always going to come up, and it's because of the diversity in our community and the diversity of views. And, and the fact is that you don't have even a consensus on one side of the of the issue yeah
0: that's so true it, it, even even each side is fractured exactly uh, I got to turn to you and, and by the way folks I was thinking of this last night Because people are complaining now every week How there's so many issues we don't get to We've now started the 13th season of the weekly update Malcolm and I had spoken many years before that as well But 13th season of doing this on a consistent basis Or as consistent as this And basically I have given up on trying to get to my entire list every week So we just now regarded What is it? Yes and no question. We now regard it as one long conversation with a week in between for a break each time. So I'm going to be much more relaxed about what we do get to and what we don't get to. But I must ask you, before we run out of time, uh, the theme, I, I was shocked how the theme of never again, and not just applicable to the Jewish world, but in general was such a big theme at the gala, Uh, This week, and if you could just give that message to our audience and just inspire us with how important our role is in Never Again, especially—or I should say, even more so—when it comes to people from who are not within our community.
5: That's right, because I believe Never Again, and I spoke about it there, and other people raised it, as you said. Uh, You know, it's not a hollow phrase. It's not something you yell at a rally. Never Again means that we learned the lesson of the past that we learn from the mistakes of the thirties and forties and make sure we don't repeat it and one of those is that the Jews have to stand up and Jews have to have the capacity and the capability to affect their own fate to affect the fate of other Jews and I think the record on, on Russian Jews, Syrian Jews, Iranian Jews, Iraqi Jews Yemeni Jews proves that we have learned it And then, but we have to sustain it and most of all teach it to our children I, I was in a discussion recently with a, in, a, in a forum and the, the other person said something and said, when I mentioned that the influence of the Holocaust because of my parents' experience, etc. and he said, oh, that's a negative, you know, that, that your generation is dealing with the Holocaust and it's a negatives and the young people reject it. No, that's a mistake. In the same way when I raised the, the question was raised to me about Iran at the end, he said, oh, that's another negative. How in the 21st in the year, 2013, can you get together and not talk about Iran? How can you not talk about the Shoah if you learn the lessons? It's not to get lost in the Shoah. It's to make sure that the future generations don't pay the, the price again. And it, this is why Judaism puts the lesson on, on history and why every parasha, why, why do you tell people where do you come from before you know where you're going? Because you've got to know. You've got to know where you're rooted. You have to understand your place in history and to see it. So the Abraham is told, you, got, you choose life, not for you, but for all the generations to come, because the decisions you make affect all those generations. And, and you see how history, even if it doesn't repeat itself exactly, Iran is an incarnation of problems that we've faced in the past. The fact that we try to appease Hitler, we try to appease Stalin, we appease all the time these dictators, and in the meantime they have very clear, hard lines. They know exactly where they're headed. And if we don't listen and take, take them seriously. We pay a price for it. You know I, I was thinking this week about after the the dinner about uh, what Erdogan has been doing. Right. It was Erdogan who became the the most popular leader you know the american America was supporting him and uh, extolling him as the model and much to the chagrin of, of many Arab leaders. look what this guy has done just in, in, in this week and his uh, he wanted u s military action he felt betrayed the u s didn't act on Syria, which I understand. Now he, he, he was the first to call for Assad's removal. He still held bent on Assad's removal, but he, he fired on rebels near he, the rebel forces near his border.
0: right And then he always claimed to support them.
5: And, then, and he claims to support them, and now he's, he's a little bit turned off because young Turks are going into, into fight right. in, with the jihadists, and they're going to come back. So right. he, he, he's caught on his own dilemma. He's internally. Cracking down and causing more and more crisis, and he has to focus on his own economic and uh, other internal issues. And yet, he he can be extolled and can be told, "Oh, look, he has one foot, one foot in NATO." Do they ever learn? Listen to what the guy has been saying. First of all, a lot of people think he's mentally unbalanced. He certainly you was know, sick. They tell us what they're going to do, and if you don't learn the lessons, if if we don't stand up and have the courage of our convictions. It's what um, Moshe told Joshua, a Jewish leader, has to be. You have to have strong convictions and the courage to act on them. And that doesn't always mean a public display. The fact that the Jewish community, and I I mean this not as a personal thing or, or even for the conference, but that the array of people from around the world came and felt the need to be there because they respect the Jewish community. Maybe even some fear the Jewish community, but they respect it, and that the Jewish community today has what we didn't have 70 years ago. That's never again. I think it's a sacred pledge, and everybody has to think about what it is they can do to bring that pledge to reality, that everybody can make a difference. It's not everybody that stands on the stage, but everybody in the audience played a role, too, just as they contributed to making the event a success. Every person, in one way or another, contributing, participating, speaking, doing whatever they did, eating. But <laughs> but you have to think that every person has a role to play. And I hope that people will go to our website as soon as the video is up, take an hour, an hour and a half, and watch the video and listen to Nachum's voice, but listen seriously <laughs> to the messages and, and look at the videos which were very creative, done by David Chancy, and uh, really well done. And and also the Achtus that was present. There wasn't a, a, a person on the way out didn't mention about the the, the atmosphere, the the warmth, the, the magical things. That, But most of all, it was the actors. You don't know how many people stepped forward. I have a staff of seven. You think we could pull off an event, 1,200 people, all the complications? And you saw how complicated that program was <laughs> and worked to a T to a second. It's already Friday. I'm hoping the program comes together at some point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And it was just an, an amazing thing because Friends of the idea, UJ everybody came with volunteers. People helped us. People came forward. Jay Booksbaum, anybody in every respect made a contribution and said they want to be part of this thing and, and, and helped. The newspapers, the Jewish media, I mean, so many that we're, we're indebted to, but did it wholeheartedly. I, I can't tell you, people called up and just said, I'm here, you tell me what you want, and it's done. Yeah, and well. it was done. And I think that that puts the lie to a lot of the stories. You know, the Pew Report has gotten all this attention. Yeah. Uh, Beinart's uh, ridiculous charges. Right. This was put the lie to it and tells us you got to hope there is there. got to just develop the potential of our community.
0: I thought it was encouraging. The more we're told there's no future for the Jewish people, you know, it usually ends up happening. That's when the Jewish people thrive. So,
6: right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> So thank God. All right, Malcolm, will speak next week. Big Eshakach, and have a wonderful Shabbos. Malcolm, home line is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos. This time each and every Friday, every Erev Shabbos. With great pleasure, we present Rabbi Benjamin Yudin, Spiritual Leader of Congregation Shomrei Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Yudin.
7: Good morning, Nachum. Good Erev Shabbos, everybody. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Parshas Vayera. Parshas Vayera is an incredibly... Rich Parsha. We begin with the phenomenal that's the only word you can use orchim, hospitality that Avram Avinu performs on the third day after his circumcision. He is ninety nine years old. He has the doctor's no, a note excusing him from performing any <laughs> extraneous activities other than resting, and Avramavinu cannot be held down. And even though God made it unusually hot, he is more pained by the fact. That he cannot extend hospitality, so God, so to speak, gives in to him and sends three angels in the guise of men, enabling Abraham to extend hachnasas archim hospitality to these wanderers. And it's incredible if you think about. It's not that he offers them some cookies and lemonade. But when they accept and agree to participate in coming in for his hospitality, he makes a barbecue, hurry up sarah and bake brownies, and he involves Yishmael, his son, in the process. The whole house is whipped into excitement for three people who he doesn't know. The clear concept being that when we're taught by Rabbi Akiva at the end of the third chapter of Pirkei Avos, Choviv Adam, Shenivra Betsellem, that each and every individual is so precious because they are created in the image of God, Abraham took that concept literally and so to each individual look at the incredible coved honor and dignity that he extended them and while the parsha begins with his very strong ability to excel man to man the parsha concludes with his ability to excel man to God. And the last test, according to most of the commentaries, the Mishnah teaching us that Avraham was tested by God with ten tests. The last test, that of the Akedah, is where Avraham proves his loyalty to God and is prepared, as we read annually, on the second day of Rosh Hashanah, to offer his beloved Yitzchak, even though that would mean the, quote, end of his future. Avraham doesn't ask questions, God tells him to do it, and he is ready, willing, and able. I'd like to focus this morning on a challenging Rashi. And the Rashi is found as we move into the Parsha. And Avraham prays for the five cities of Sdom and Amora and its environs. And when it's ascertained that there are not sufficient tzaddikim, worthy people, to save this, these communities from being destroyed the Torah tells us in chapter 19, verse 29, vayehi, and it was, B'Shachis Elohimes Areha Kikar, when God destroyed the cities of the plain, Vayizkor Elohimes Avraham, God remembered Avraham, and as a result of his remembering Avraham, Vayishalahes Lot mitoch Hafecha, and he Rescued and sent Lot from the upheaval when he was destroying the cities. Now, if I were to ask anybody what it is that Lot had going for him other than the fact that he's Avraham's nephew and God wants to perform a kindness to Avraham. So you'd ask the question, what do you mean? What does Lot have going for him? We find earlier, at the beginning of chapter 19, that when the Malachim, when the angels come to Lot, Lot impresses upon them and literally begs them, please come to my home, that he could extend them Hachnosas Orchim, hospitality. Even though, he was breaking the rules of Sodom, where in Sodom the rule was no chesed allowed. You're not permitted to do kindness. So Lot is someone who has the good trait of hachnasas orachim, and in addition, the Torah tells us. And do you know what he served them when he gave them a meal? Says the Torah, umatzos. He baked matzos, and they ate it. Now, Rashi adds, and you want to know why? It was Pesach. Now, now isn't the time that we have to go into, what does that mean that they observed Pesach? Long before the Jewish people were even slaves and liberated. But it's clear that Lot was minimally your, quote, traditional Jew willing to eat matzah on the night of Pesach. So Lot has various zuchusim, various merits. He's hospitable. He eats matzah. But yet, when Rashi has to come up with, do you know what Lot has going for him? So Rashi tells us, in quoting from the Medrash, Voracious Rabbah, six, Rashi quotes... Something that you have to say to yourself, what? What is it? So Rashi tells us, Shehoya Lot Yodeya Lot was aware, that what? When Avraham came down to Egypt, he knew that Sarah was Avraham's wife. After all, she is his aunt. Avraham is his uncle. And he hears, Rashi tells us, that Avraham, as we learned in last week's portion of Lech Lecha, Avraham said to the Egyptians, and Sarah went along with this ruse that achosihi, she is my sister, says Rashi, and he did not reveal the matter. Why? a love, because Lot had pity on Avraham, had he only said to them, excuse me, she's not his sister, she's his wife, what would have happened, as the Torah tells us last week? They would have killed Avraham, and so now that Lot had compassion on Avraham, says the medrash, therefore, Chas love. therefore, God had pity on him. Now wait a second. Let's be honest. If I were to ask anybody what might have been the merit of Lot, I think we all would have said something other than he's not a Moser, he's not an informer, he doesn't tell on his uncle. What is so special about that? So perhaps there's no question that Lot is an opportunist. Namely, we saw in last week's Parsha The Torah tells us that there was, in chapter 13, there was a conflict between the shepherds of Avram and the shepherds of Lot. Why? Because they each had a great deal of cattle, and the land was not sufficient, the public grazing area. So Lot took upon himself the freedom of, going on to private property. And even though there was that sign, no trespassing, it's private property, he helped himself to the grazing land, reasoning as follows. God has given the land to Avraham and his progeny. Avraham has no children. And so, very simply, I am the one to inherit him. The land is therefore mine. I can take what I want, wherever I want. (coughs) The Pasuk, however, continues... That there were other nations living on the land. The land was not yet given to Avraham. So we see that Lot had what you would call... a Lot liked the green dollar. And so he was attracted to it. Here was a chance in Mitzrayim... for Lot to make a killing. Get Avraham out of the way. And in addition... Maybe you could say that Lot, after all, as the Torah presents him, is but the student of Avraham. As good of a student as he might have been, begam Lot haoleiches Avraham. He's certainly second fiddle to his uncle. He has a chance to get honor. And Lot holds back. And therefore, you could say, for this he gets a reward. However, Rav Dessler, Zechad sadik Levracha, in his Mirtav Me volume one, builds a conceptual skyscraper on this Rashi. And he says something very, very intriguing. He notes the following that for Avram for excuse me, for Lot's hospitality that he extended, even in the face of danger from the community of Sodom, for Lot to eat matzah, this is really not so much to Lot's credit. Because after all, his uncle Avram taught him this. And the incredible chesed of Avram, with which we began the program, rubbed off on his nephew Lot. And therefore, credit for Lot's hospitality really goes to Avram. Credit for his eating matzah goes to Avraham. However, he introduces us and he says that there is a concept called a nekudas ha-bechira, namely that each person has their individual threshold of challenge. Each person is challenged differently, namely somebody who might be starting out in their journey of Judaism, perhaps their challenge is going to be not eating and abstaining from non-kosher food. Their challenge will be not texting and not talking on the phone on Shabbat. Now, when one passes that test, that plateau, they then move on to the next one. And Rashi is teaching that for Lot, His hospitality and matzah, that was not to his credit. That's all to Avraham. However, now Lot's challenge was, regarding himself, will I, who have a chance, an opportunity to make this killing, will I, that is, not literally, but financially, and in the realm of prestige, will I do that? Or not. And therefore, it is for this that Lot does deserve this credit. And that's why, of all the merits that we can think of, wow, Lot worked on himself. And therefore, there's a very significant message for each and every one of us. A person might be accustomed to davening wonderful to pray. Well, the next plateau is, for that you don't get reward. You've been trained to so do, but you do get reward for your kavana, for your concentration, for that which you put into it. Now, you reach the next one. I'm learning to pray with fervor Do I pray at home, or do I go to the next plateau? Do I go to the minyan? And I pray with the quorum in the synagogue. And after that, I find the time to learn and to study after the minyan for a little while before I go to work. The idea is very simply, grow. One should never be satisfied with last week's last year's accomplishment wonderful it brings us constantly to the next plateau and so the idea of Lot being credited for his not informing the Egyptians of his uncle's lie that was his the kudas that was his moment of judgment and I pray that we learn From this, at first glance, challenging Rashi, a very important personal lesson for each and every one of us, take the opportunity to grow each and every day. Shabbat Shalom to all.
0: I reassured uh, Rabbi Anko Berkowitz that we would come out of Rabbi Yudin's amazing words of Torah this morning with the great Rip Shlomo Kalbach's most unbelievable selection. I don't know if I'd call it my favorite when people say, what's your favorite Kalbach song? But it might be his most unbelievable piece. Mim Komcha, the original one, quote-unquote, Friday morning, J.M. in the A.M., Candlelighting at 5.51 on this Erev Shabbos Parshas Vayera. We have an amazing lineup on the stream at jmintheam.org. All through the day. Make sure to be tuned in. Naomi Nachman follows JM in the AM. She always puts together an amazing show. It's called Table for Two. Nina Safer from Kosher in the Kitch. Uh, she started the first kosher food blog. And Esti Kafra from Kosher Scoop has a brand new cookbook out called Cooking Inspired. They both joined Naomi between 9 and 10 this morning on the stream. JMtheam.org. I want to thank our friends at Kedem, the incredible Erev Shabbos music mix which goes from 10 a.m. all the way until candlelighting time, is the best way to prepare on an Erev Shabbos. I, I cannot think of a better way. So make sure to do so and enjoy it, whether it's on your mobile app, on your computer, on your laptop, on the listen line, whatever method you use, just keep on listening. It is amazing how many more and more people continue to discover the Arif Shabbos music mix and how it enhances there, Erev Shabbos. Uh, tomorrow night, it's Saturday Night Siegel with Avrami, all about Rav Shlomo Kalbach, of course. And then Sunday morning, Matis has been working like crazy to put together the most amazing lineup for JM Sunday, which will be extended. It'll be on from 7 until 10. And he has Neshama Kalbach, Shlomo Katz, Shia Menlewitz a biographer of Rav Shlomo Kalbach, all coming on in those three hours on Sunday morning. It should be remarkable. Don't forget that on Monday, right here at JM in the a.m., Rabbi Jonathan Sachs will join us live via telephone. My opportunity to speak to the former chief rabbi of Great Britain about his brand new book. Well, not brand new, but about his one of his latest books. the great. With him, you don't know. There could be, be a latest one that, that's out subsequent to this one. The Great Partnership, Science, Religion, and the Search for Meaning. Rabbi Sachs joins us in the 8 o'clock hour. this coming Monday morning. Looking forward to it. Here at JM in the AIM, want to wish a happy 50th wedding anniversary. Can you imagine the golden wedding anniversary of Ann Hetty and Uncle Dave? The Weinbergers, Hedy and David Weinberger of the Lower East Side. So many people in the extended Jewish community know exactly who they are. Uh, they have been uh, they've been married for 50 years as of today. So Uncle Dave, Ann Hedy, Mazal Tov to you. And anybody who sees or speaks with them today, you make sure to pass on Mazal Tov wishes from us. Right here at JM and the AM. 10 minutes before 9 o'clock, JM and the AM Friday morning with Rib Schleimer. <laughs> Amazing, huh? The Great Ripshoma Kalbach. Lots of events going on. As I said earlier, I am sure there will be plenty, and I mean plenty, of uh, Kalbach Tzvilo tonight uh, and all through Shabbos. Don't forget, tomorrow night, the West Side Institutional Synagogue will be the place. Dr. Ellie Kranzler and uh, Eitan Katz and um, Yehuda Green, Surely Williger, they're all going to be together tomorrow night in the uh, Kalbach uh In the Kalbach Tribute Concert, Neshama Kalbach Sunday at the Kalbach Shul. At the Kalbach Shul itself, Sunday at the Kalbach Shul on the west side. Neshama Kalbach in commemoration of her father's yard site. And as we mentioned, she'll join Mattis on Sunday morning on the actual yard site on JM Sunday. Make sure to be tuned into our programming all through the weekend. You will certainly be glad you did. Monday, Rabbi Jonathan Sachs on this program. We are very much looking forward to it. Time to say good Shabbos with Journeys at JM in the AM. Sheryl and Ashley brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Our listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial. Round the world on the web, jmnam.org. Candlelighting 5 51 wraps up an amazing uh, week for us here at J.M. And thanks so much for tuning in, everybody. Great programming all weekend long. Naomi Nachman's coming up next with Table for Two on the stream. Amazing music mix for an Arab Shabbos starting at 10 all the way until candlelighting time. Uh, Rummy tomorrow night with his Kalbach tribute show starting at 10 o'clock. And this J.M. Sunday on Sunday morning. Make sure to like the J.M. Sunday page on Facebook. Bunch of information there about Sunday's uh, extended show. Have a fabulous Shabbos, wonderful weekend. Enjoy all the Kalbach services and concerts until Monday. Nachum Siegel reminding you, remember the past, live the present, and trust the future.